Welcome to the 30th episode of Medaco Talks. Today, we're speaking with Jean-Marc Stenger, Chief Executive Officer at Forge, a subsidiary of Société Générale Group focused on bridging capital markets with digital assets. So Jean-Marc, you are in the industry now for over 20 years, I believe. Uh, you started at uh, Société Générale in the 2000s, where you carved out a career in the corporate and investment banking arm before joining uh, as part of the founding team, the Lixor Asset Management Entity, uh, who is managing, uh, I think, at the time, roughly 137 billion. Uh, you were a founding member at the time, and uh, you specialized in the company until you reached the chief investment officer position. Uh, but surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, you ended up moving to a small internal tart startup at Société Générale specialized in digital assets in 2019, and this is the Forge entity. So Jean-Marc, it's a pleasure to welcome you in this uh, discussion. Thank you for joining. And uh, uh, maybe my first question, and I have a long list here, is um, how did you make this decision and why would you move from such an important role in an important entity within Société Générale into something which at the time, uh, at the least from what I heard, was still perceived by a lot of bankers as a bit of a, you know, scam or something which would never breach out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th thank you uh, to Metaco for having me today. It's a real pleasure, and hello to to everyone uh, attending this uh, this webinar. Um, well, uh, actually, uh, it's true. I, I've been involved with uh, Lixor Asset Management and, and Société Générale for for many years uh, before that. Um, actually, uh, at the time I, I left uh, Lixor, I already uh, was active in the uh, investment field and in this position for more than 10 years, probably even closer to 15 years. Um, so it was um, a, a long time to me and uh, I was anyway considering, uh, you know, the, the next move. Uh, the point is that at, at this very precise moment, um, I already had, uh, and, and that was also the case for a few years before that, uh, numerous discussions with some of my uh, investors, uh, private banks or financial institutions, were coming to us to develop investment strategies on uh, crypto assets, on uh, cryptocurrencies. And, and this was really the, uh, the moment I started to, to dig into these subjects. And uh, uh, since uh, I think uh, I'm a very curious person, I, I, I get uh, um, into the, the subject and, you know, just trying to understand what were the potential merit of, of uh, cryptocurrencies and, and blockchain more generally. Uh, and what what's new was attached to that. Uh, and I am very quickly, I guess, realized that uh, this had the potential to completely transform the way capital market could uh, be operated uh, tomorrow. Um, and well, I thought that uh, maybe trying that within the uh, framework of the Société Générale group, which is, um, which is a group where there is a, uh, a culture of entrepreneurship and innovation. It's strongly in the DNA of the sustainable group uh, was probably a good try. And I, I gave myself like six months. Uh, and actually that's the uh, time frame we needed to actually do our very first uh, security token issuance. At, at the time it was um, a covered bond uh, we did. And um, actually, uh, I mean, it's uh, thin there and it's a bit more than six months. No, it's, uh, it's nearly uh, four years. So uh, happy to, to continue this, uh, this adventure. 
Thank you. This is a really interesting uh, uh, migration, I would say, from a very traditional business to very, you know, uh, entrepreneurial uh, venture. A question I have before I get into uh, what you're really doing there and how, you know, what are the the the, the, the pillars that you that you have, technologically speaking, or in terms of market and opportunity. Just a quick question uh, regarding cryptocurrencies. Do you, when you started at Forge, did you consider or even try? pushing a use case more related to you know cryptocurrencies or did you see the opportunity immediately with uh, tokenization in the capital markets mm -hmm. now very very clearly uh, the the focus at the time and it's still the case is uh, is really on on securities uh, since uh, sg forge and and we are within the framework of the sustainable group uh, is really involved for its core business uh, in capital market activities and securities, uh, we, we thought that uh, uh, remaining in this field were probably the area where the group had the, the most to bring at first before trying actually to diversify itself into other activities or other assets, cryptocurrencies. Uh, we, we, we thought that was the most natural way for us to engage into that, but also an area where we see the uh, potential for transformation as the highest, uh, and also where the um, strategic nature for a group such as Sogen to be involved uh, in this field, meaning uh, the way uh, capital markets and securities could evolve tomorrow with blockchain is also or was, were also the, the most important. So it was a, a kind of alignment of uh, criteria which made that we, we decided to, to focus there and again to, to, to be there uh, as we speak. How difficult was it to sell this story to Société Générale? You know, we, at Medaco, we're facing banks uh, all day long and uh, mm. some of them, for, for some of them, it took two or three years to get an alignment internally around something related to blockchain. Was it easier for you? Maybe you had the right contacts or mm. the right levers to pull? How, how did it go? Yes, true. And to be honest, that's um, a question which is often raised to me. Um, actually, I, I think there is no single answer. Obviously, it's a, it's a mix of different things. Uh, maybe I could name uh, first uh, myself, like the, the other team members with whom we, we started this. Uh, we are all coming from the business. You know, we are all uh, we were all involved market operations, in security services, in uh, you know different kind of uh, businesses, but businesses, core businesses of the bank. Uh, even if we had, and so most of the time also, uh, a personal interest into cryptocurrency or even, even personal trading experience in, in cryptocurrency, uh, our job at the time were really on the, on the, on the front side in capital market activity. Uh, so we are really coming with uh, client interest in mind and financial questions in mind, not approaching this subject through the technology and definitely not uh, falling in love uh, with the technology in itself. Uh, there so is no problem falling in love with technology. No problem falling in love. <laughs> no problem at all, no problem at all. Yeah, and it could even happen uh, afterward. Uh, so that's maybe number one. Number two, uh, I, I would say, and that again, uh, I think relates to also the culture of the group. Uh, we had 
almost from the very first day uh, access to the uh, I mean, to the top management of the bank at CEO level, uh, where we had the, the opportunity to really explain uh, what was at stake, what we understood from the technology, uh, where we, we could see uh, strategic interest for the bank in, in going there. And I must say, having, you know, a few hours uh, of time of the top management to, to be able to explain all that is of uh, immense uh, benefit in that phase. And it, uh, it allows us to, to get uh, some understanding and to go beyond, you know, the um, traditional stories you could find in newspaper at the time uh, for at least have those six months I was referring to at first to, to try and demonstrate that uh, we could deliver something of interest for the, for the bank beyond, you know, slides, uh, consultants were... Uh, floating to, to everyone uh, at the time. And then obviously there's also um, the, you know, the personal network each of us has had within the bank, which facilitated and are still facilitating some market operations we, we, are, we are doing today. One thing we observe also sometimes when a new initiative, which is so ambitious, emerges within a, a large corporation, in particular within a large bank, is that even if you have uh, management support, it is very hard to have the agility that you need as a startup within the monster uh, to strive and to move at the right mm -hmm. pace. So how did you manage to do it? Did you, I don't know, open an office in a garage and you had a lot of Red Bull cans and, you know, you work by yourself with uh, techies and no contact with the mother company? Or did you manage to keep contact with the bank, leverage their, let's say, the, the pros that they can bring, but uh, in a way push back uh, mm -hmm. what could potentially slow you down? Yeah, sure. Uh, I would say uh, first and foremost, and this was very true for the uh, very beginning, but still today, we only set uh, very short term and concrete objectives to ourselves, things we explain to the management, uh, which make each, of, each time baby steps, but very concrete ones and, uh, you know, very execution oriented uh, to make sure that we, we do not construct a, a big cathedral, you know, with uh, long developments, which uh, never happen, uh, but also uh, gives a, a lot of opportunities for, you know, different people everywhere to unplug uh, what, what you are doing. So short-term, uh, very concrete uh, deliverables. And then uh, it's true, um, operating in an environment which is maybe not um, as rigid as the rest of, you know, the more mature operations, uh, recognizing at the level of the bank, uh, the experimental uh, nature of what we were doing at first, and, and then setting uh, the right framework with the right risk limits, with the right uh, boundaries uh, in what you are allowed to, to do or not, uh, and expanding these limits uh, with time as you convince uh, through uh, what you have delivered. Uh, it's, it's probably a, a good way to, to progress. Uh, and this led us, uh, you know, like two years ago uh, to uh, creating a dedicated subsidiary of the bank, Société Générale Forge, uh, to host uh, this type of initiative in a more controlled environment, in a regulated environment, because Société Générale Forge um, 
did apply for, for some licenses to the, the French regulator to be able to operate uh, crypto services uh, in that field. But we'll talk to that uh, on that a bit later, I guess, um, in, uh, in a way which uh, makes everyone comfortable, clients, obviously, uh, but also the bank and, and the regulator uh, when we are you know, uh, proposing to, to the market uh, security uh, transactions purely and only on uh, digital assets registered on uh, public blockchains. So we're going to jump actually into the specific capabilities and features that you are uh, building, the ones that you already provide. Can you tell us exactly what it is about? And uh, also, at the same time, answer the question of whether your ultimate secret goal is to cannibalize the current custody business of the bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So while Sustainable Forge, uh, we are operating uh, three type of services, I would say. On the primary market, we, uh, we help issuers uh, to issue securities as native digital assets, predominantly on public blockchain. So it's a, it's a structuring and uh, issuance service we provide to, to these clients. So it's mainly financial institutions or, or corporates as we speak. Uh, the second pillar for us are what we call liquidity solutions. It's both secondary market uh, solutions to uh, basically uh, transfer these securities with the same uh, standard as we know in traditional markets uh, in between different investors, but also refinancing solutions and, uh, and repo solutions, collateral management solutions for, for these digital assets. And pillar number three is uh, crypto custody, which is obviously also uh, an enabler for the two first pillar. I should uh, should stress because we often have the, the question, the mandate we have as we speak is to operate strictly in the field of security token. So we do not provide those services for cryptocurrencies and notably when it comes to crypto custody. And, and the, the, the second part of your question, sorry, about uh, cannibalizing uh, some businesses of, of SOCGEN. Uh, well, that's clearly uh, also, uh, also a question, but the stance uh, the SG group uh, has, and that applies across all our businesses, is uh, as much as we can to be on the uh, innovation front and, and leading um, innovation in, in capital market uh, generally. So if at some point uh, we have uh, businesses and, and some operations uh, we, we do as of today under a certain format, traditional custody uh, for, for the subject which is discussed here. Uh, and tomorrow we see opportunities in doing that another way through crypto custody. We prefer to embrace uh, those evolution and, and to possibly uh, lead that rather than, than to wait and uh, to you know suffer uh, uh, any external constraint for, for that. So we, uh, we are conscious that there might be uh, you know divergence at some point. but as, as of today, we are partnering with our colleagues uh, within the security services field. Uh, security services is anyway uh, things we have to rely on uh, to, to offer you know, uh, tax reporting, for instance, to, to our clients when it comes to their digital assets. So as of today, it's more collaborating and trying to adapt uh, our security services and, and, and for our security service to be able to offer also crypto custody services to our clients rather than organizing you know, internal competition in between two uh, 
two entities of the SG group. It's perfectly reasonable. And, you know, you've mentioned before that uh, you have decided to target public blockchains. Uh, this is quite daring. Uh, I would say that many banks have not made this step just yet, but you've actually moved one step further, which is uh, to work with decentralized finance uh, to at least experiment. I know I don't know if it is productive or an experiment. You will share this with us. But uh, are you alone on the market doing it? And mm. uh, how did you manage to get this working both technically and uh, from uh, you know governance point of view? Yeah, it's true. And, and on the first part, working on, on public blockchain, I, I think this relates uh, most to a very strong conviction we had with the uh, initial team uh, with whom I, I started this, uh, this journey, uh, which was, and again, uh, digging into uh, blockchain from a, an intellectual uh, perspective, I would say, uh, at first, uh, um, I, I think was um, a kind of... Uh, uh, eyes opener at some point uh, with again this conviction that uh, uh, revolution I would say in capital market could only come with public blockchain technology. Huh? Often we, we do you know this parallel in between internet and intranet, uh, public blockchain being the internet and private blockchain being bon, a network like another but more like a, uh, the intranet um, in the communication space. Uh, new businesses, new business models, and, uh, you know, the internet revolution came obviously with the internet. I strongly believe this will be exactly the same for uh, blockchain technology. Um, and coming back to my initial story about the uh, very first days of uh, Société General Forge, uh, actually the... Uh, kind of uh, deal we had with the top management of the bank for these first six months was uh, basically to, to go as far as we could in terms of technology and regulation and, you know, working backward uh, to really capture uh, the maximum uh, effect uh, or benefit, I should say, uh, which could be achieved using blockchain technology to get real KPIs uh, and so to know uh, if um, all this story and all these uh, uh, transformation would be worth uh, going through. Actually, the uh, this first pilot transaction we did with the, uh, the covered bond we, we issued in uh, 2018 uh, proved to be a, a success uh, and comforted us actually in this, uh, in this conviction. And later on, actually last year, when we decided to um, study, apply and develop um, some uh, refinancing and collateral management solution for digital assets, obviously leveraging developments uh, or solutions which are available in the crypto industry through DeFi solution appear to us uh, like very interesting, very promising in terms of uh, benefits it could bring both to the bank and its clients uh, for again collateral management, refinancing uh, and so on. So. Uh, we are agnostic again to to the technology and this solution. We are just looking at uh, at this as bankers and keeping in mind what do interest our clients. Speaking a lot with our clients as well, either on the issuer side or the investor side. And if all this could be um, managed and, and developed uh, in full compliance with regulation and internal rules, which apply to us. Uh, bringing, you know, really 
clear value added to the client or the bank. Bon, again, we remain agnostic and uh, happy to, to make this, uh, this kind of move. Jean-Marc, can I ask you to uh, be a bit more specific about how DeFi is actually helping you in this transaction? What is it doing? Is it you know, just using a basic smart contract or is there real business value out of it? What does it bring concretely? Right. Maybe I can answer just by uh, giving um, a few reference points when it comes to, for instance, collateral management. You know, um, if you take a, a traditional security, uh, which has to flow through uh, various intermediaries and, and being handled in a, in a, depositor, a central depository uh, at some point, uh, when you have, um, you know, a financing which is secured with such a security as collateral, and you want to uh, adjust the uh, collateral level based on some market stress test and change in values and you know changes in, in risk management parameters you have. Uh, you have a, a full chain uh, of operations to, to conduct. Sometimes you have some legal doc to, to adjust. Um, and at the end of the day, you have uh, operating teams, uh, different middle offices, uh, sometimes in between three institutions, uh, collateral management agent, uh, the lender, the borrower, which have to adjust themselves on the same parameter to, at the end of the day, move one security from one account to another and make sure that the level of collateral Uh, remains appropriate uh, in front of uh, the, the amount you, you would have lent to, to the to lender. For, if I take the example of the OFH uh, token, the covered bond, the very first one we, we issued in, uh, in 2018, uh, that's operations we, we do uh, within Sustain General uh, very regularly. It takes, uh, everything I just described, it takes in between three days to one week to adjust the level of collateral. Uh, if you are even under normal market condition or as you can imagine under stressed market condition, let's say four days in average to, uh, to move or to adjust the collateral is really, really long time. Uh, plus all the inefficiencies uh, which uh, occurs to that, plus under really stressed market condition, probably uh, some risk that uh, what you would have written in a paper somewhere in a contract actually uh, is not effectively implemented through the chain. If you create a digital security, which sits on the blockchain, full digital, and you wrap the security into a second layer of smart contract, which would actually uh, entail uh, or embed the terms of the collateral agreement, Um, and you give enough autonomy to this uh, second layer of smart contract to execute itself because this is in itself a contract signed in between the borrower and the lender. You can have self-execution of the collateral adjustment, the margin calls, uh, and levels uh, to which we are with the kind of DeFi solutions we are uh, like experimenting today at SG Forge, make that this collateral uh, adjustment could occur nearly every 30 minutes. So you move from four days to 30 minutes collateral adjustment. What does it mean for, for the client? Because of these inefficiencies, because of this delay in adjusting the collateral, All market transactions today are structured with what we call the NOVA collateralization, 
you post more collateral than what is strictly needed for the transaction to absorb as a buffer uh, this delay and potential uh, stress test, you would not be able to operate. Uh, this translates in more collateral uh, being freezed for the same amount of financing. If you move that on chain, you reduce by, by a very significant uh, amount this over collateralization, which means for the client, more money for the same level of collateral. And I can dig further, there are many other benefits in terms of risk parameters and even financial terms, more money for a better price for the client. And that's typically what we are trying to achieve with this type of solutions. Again, keeping full compliance with the regulations and the, the risk rules uh, we have in the banking industry. This is really impressive. Do you see other aspects where DeFi may help in the future, maybe not today, maybe which would require compliance or regulatory clarity, but do you see other forms of contract, uh, smart contract interactions which could benefit what you're building today? Mm -hmm. Yes, clearly, and, and this, we all know it is a, it's a long journey, but uh, we, we start to see among financial institutions, and I think the, the level of maturity has uh, really uh, increased over the last, few months, two years, let's say, uh, among uh, financial institutions, uh, banks uh, in, in this field. And, and yes, clearly, we, we can see uh, many other benefits. Uh, I, I could name, uh, for instance, uh, market making, liquidity solutions, uh, clearing, netting. Uh, that's um, operations uh, which are um, necessary uh, to uh, financial markets and, and, and which need to be performed um, in a very efficient and secured way uh, to ensure the security, the integrity of the market transactions, but also just the service to, to client, um, which are sometimes uh, still quite inefficient the way they are performed today. Uh, for some of them, very expensive uh, and very long. If I think everyone um, moves or some market participants move uh, to this type of solution, we can definitely achieve um, great things for, for clients and for the banking industry uh, as a whole. Makes perfect sense. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about uh, how you're trying also to standardize uh, the market from a technology point of view? I, I know you have, for instance, uh, uh, defined this CAST framework, CAST framework. Mm -hmm. Um, and can I position this question in the context of uh, the many, many initiatives that are uh, popping up on the market also by small startups, which are trying to get to emerge in this field? How do you see that you are uh, going to be able to define a framework which is going to be used also outside of Société Générale and Forge? Mm -hmm. Yes, sure. Well, uh, f first, uh, I should have mentioned that in the... In the journey we, we are making at Société Générale and Société Générale Forge, uh, since the beginning, the very first day, we are only working on the basis of real market transactions. You know, no POC, no technical uh, uh, pilot or things like that. Only true market transactions because you need to really intricate uh, legal, client demand, financial structuring, and technology. Uh, if you miss one of these elements, Sometimes you miss, uh, you may miss uh, something big in the middle. So only real market transactions and of increasing complexity. And going through that journey, 
it appeared to us uh, very quickly that we needed uh, a common language to talk with our clients, with the issuers, uh, with the joint lead managers who are involved in such transactions. If I take the example of the European Investment Bank uh, digital bond issuance uh, we, we performed last year, uh, we helped the uh, EIB to issue a 100 million euro uh, unsecured bond on the public Ethereum network. And, and this transaction uh, has been settled using uh, a CBDC, a central bank digital currency that Banque de France issued also on the Ethereum public network for one day. Huh? It was an intraday uh, uh, try, but uh, obviously when, when you perform such a transaction, you, you need to speak the same language in between the joint lead managers, uh, Goldman Sachs, Banco Santander, and Société Générale, were involved for placing this bond to clients. And the clients here were mostly asset managers, European asset managers. And these asset managers needed to be able to digest the security token into their existing IT systems, because obviously uh, no one's do want to spend 1 million euros to do IT developments uh, client by client to be able to integrate in their own IT system a new token coming to the market. So you need a common standard, you need a common language. So, uh, and that's all, uh, all the story uh, behind uh, CAST, which stands for Compliant Architecture for Security Token. It's actually uh, an operating standard. It's not that much a technical standard, but it's a common language, it's business rules which are needed for financial institutions and their clients, and sometimes also the regulator, just to know how to perform a transaction on the primary market, on the secondary market, on you know, any kind of market transaction on, based on blockchain technology. Because uh, you, know, you, can, you cannot just do a copy paste of let's say the rule books we have within each banks to perform a transaction when you go to the blockchain. Going to DLT at the end of the day is to make things quicker, cheaper, uh, simpler, and so sometimes to shortcut some operations we have, sometimes to remove uh, some operators we have in the traditional market infrastructure. So you cannot just do a, a copy-paste transaction. Uh, people tend to forget it, but when you sit in a, on the trading floor, when you sit in a, a structuring team, uh, whatever the bank, everyone knows without explaining how a transaction do work. You know, you start by step one, then you go to step two and so on. Again, when you go to blockchain, it's not exactly the same. So beyond technical standards, beyond data formats, which need to be agreed, you also need these new kind of rule books to perform a transaction. And that's what we put with time, transaction after transaction into CAST. And it's, a, it's an open source uh, uh, framework. Huh? It's an open source uh, standard. Everyone can, can use it. And uh, we, we are also uh, and already seeing uh, many other uh, financial institutions uh, using this framework because again, it needs to be shared and, and no one has an interest to keep it private. Everyone has an interest to make it as broad as possible and to enrich it with time. And once you have an, an enrichment and that's very common in the crypto industry, but not that much in the financial industry. But I think there, there, there is clearly uh, benefits 
of sharing these best practices uh, across the board. Is this framework uh, very France specific or is it jurisdiction independent? Would it, would it apply in, in North America, for instance, uh, or only in Europe? Uh, how would you qualify it in terms of universality? Yeah, no, it's, it's really uh, mainly business rules. So it's, uh, it's agnostic to the technology first. It applies whatever the, uh, the blockchain you are, you are considering, uh, but it's also agnostic to the regulatory uh, framework under which you are operating, which, which, is, uh, sorry, which is also um, a, a, key, uh, a key element because uh, building blockchain transactions and, and, and cast Uh, you know, one of the main reasons why clients are coming to this technology uh, without making a, a too long discussion is because blockchain do also offer them a truly global market infrastructure. You know, the ability to uh, access global liquidity pools, uh, to uh, place uh, or to sell a financial instrument anywhere in the world, And on the other way around, investors to, from everywhere to invest in that. So all this to say that it's necessarily a global market infrastructure. So it needs to be applicable from everywhere in the world, whatever the jurisdictions, because we know uh, every country will probably have its own interpretation, its own rule when it comes to uh, you know, legal framework, uh, uh, distribution constraints, and so on and so forth. But the financial industry and, uh, needs to remain global and interoperable from everywhere in the world. Uh, and that's why we have built this framework this way. Excellent. And then one thing I wonder, I don't know if it's a you know, tough question, but I, I will try it. Uh, you mentioned that you use today uh, Ethereum as a public blockchain. Mm -hmm. And uh, as may, some of the participants in this call may know, when you execute a transaction on the Ethereum blockchain, you have to pay fees. And these fees are actual cryptocurrencies denominated. So it's Ether. Sure. Um, so I faced a few banks that were actually annoyed because they wanted to be able to operate tokens and tokenize, uh, not being exposed at all to cryptocurrencies. So Uh, how are you dealing with this? Are you externalizing or are you allowed to, to touch cryptocurrencies for these small amounts? What is the strategy? Yes, no, no, clearly uh, I'm very aware of this um, difficulty sometimes. So uh, as we are concerned, we, indeed we do own uh, Ether and, and we pay a gas fee with, uh, with that. Uh, we, we went through uh, lengthy, lengthy discussions with the, the regulator and our own uh, risk management uh, teams to, um, to understand and to decide how we would do that. But uh, the, the way we, um, we, we approached the question was to, to make sure uh, we uh, are using uh, crypto uh, on which we have full traceability uh, to make sure uh, they were clean enough. But in my view, uh, that's, um, you know, a kind of, uh, First way to address that, I think, uh, sensibility of regulators and risk manager on that will uh, will be uh, loosen. I mean, will be uh, uh, less stringent uh, going forward. But as we speak, uh, that's how, how we do that. So yes, we, we do with with gas. Uh, we also make sure uh, broadcast, broadcasting the transactions on the blockchain uh, that we have um, the appropriate. Um, Uh, you know, uh, or at least uh, transparency enough 
in the way uh, the, the block is, is mined and which miner do that and so on and so forth. Uh, we are also for some transactions which are very sensitive to, to this criteria using uh, another blockchain, the Tezos blockchain, uh, where you can uh, control uh, the, the environment a bit better. Uh, but uh, for, for all these questions, uh, and I could name some, some others, uh, each time we, we find, uh, we have found appropriate solutions to uh, address the concerns either from the regulators or the law firms uh, which have been appointed by uh, our clients to, to check uh, these operations, our own uh, risk constraints we, we had. Uh, but, you know, this is all part of what you have to build uh, to be able to operate uh, security transactions on public blockchain. You need, obviously, to, to deal uh, with, uh, with, with gas. You have to, uh, to make sure um, the, uh, the network is handling your security the right way, but you also have to make sure you have a proper continuity plan in place in case uh, a fork occurs on your security. Uh, you need to make sure that your obviously KYC and AML criteria are met at any time uh, for such token, uh, including on the secondary market, when uh, a security you issue as a, a native security on the blockchain, as we do, uh, is sold from one investor to another. Because just to precise, the uh, security token we are creating at Sustainable Forge, uh, there are true security tokens in the sense that we do not uh, copy paste a security we would have issued on the traditional market infrastructure on the blockchain uh, with the services we are offering with to our clients. Once the security has been issued on the public blockchain, this is the only security which do exist and it's the full security and the entire security uh, to, to, to grab the, the benefits of full digitalization. So this means that you have to, uh, to ensure that again, KYC AML is fully enforceable, but you also have to ensure uh, that potential sanction and embargo procedures uh, are fully enforceable on public blockchain and so on and so forth. And that's where you, you start digging into uh, more complex questions. Uh, you need to tackle one by one uh, to, to offer this type of services to, to your clients. You mentioned before uh, Banque de France, and I think the ECB. How do you how do you see CBDC uh, today? Is it uh, something which will become a reality? Uh, do you think it may actually materialize as a private form of stablecoin, like we see with USDC or Tether um, uh, issued by uh, private companies? Uh, and how do you see it can impact your operations and potentially improve uh, yet again on some of the inefficiencies that you're facing today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, so as you know, uh, many central banks uh, now have engaged into uh, concrete developments or at least experiment on, on CBDC uh, question. Um, first, we see uh, a very strong need from the market and our clients for such a CBDC, uh, very clearly. Uh, there is also, uh, you know, a lot of uh, international competition on that front, uh, on currencies, uh, and also obviously uh, competition coming from the private sector. You, you mentioned stablecoin on, on that front. 
Um, from the dynamic we are seeing, and as you may know as well, we are ourselves uh, involved for quite uh, some time now uh, in CBDC experiments with uh, some uh, central banks, you, you named Banque de France, but there are others as well. So we are witnessing, I would say, uh, this trend, and uh, we're also witnessing the uh, um, increased level of uh, maturity uh, these central banks are uh, gaining in the field and, and all the experiments are, are moving from the one to another, uh, exploring uh, different fields uh, each time. So uh, I strongly believe uh, that we will have a CBDC uh, one day, uh, sooner rather than later, and definitely sooner than most of the people uh, may think. Uh, the ECB, for instance, uh, already made uh, at multiple times announcement that they will start um, the first uh, digital euro prototype uh, as early as uh, next year, uh, with the goal potentially uh, to deliver a true digital euro uh, by 2025. So it's pretty short term huh, when you when you think about it, especially when you consider the impact it could have uh, on financial markets, but also on cross-border payment, on retail uh, payments. Uh, but again, needs are there, either for what we call wholesale CBDC, uh, meaning CBDC, which uh, will apply for large uh, cash transactions, especially uh, within uh, the uh, the banking uh, sector, but also for retail CBDC, uh, small payments. Uh, there are clearly needs there as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm quite I'm quite con confident that uh, this this will occur, uh, and that uh, we'll see uh, very uh, innovative developments coming in the uh, few years ahead of us on that front. Jean-Marc, I have a last question for you. Um, as you probably see on the market, several banks are today trying to build or succeeding in building uh, tokenization infrastructure and crypto infrastructure. Do you see them as competition or is there more a collaboration uh, angle to it mm -hmm. where potentially multiple banks can reach the same standard and uh, leverage the clientele they already have? Uh, would you be open to collaborate with other banks doing something relatively similar? Yeah, clearly, clearly today we are in, in a co-opetition mode, I would say. Uh, and again, I mentioned the EIB, the European Investment Bank transaction uh, before. That was clearly the case. Uh, we need to collaborate among banks uh, first because, uh, again, uh, the, the banking industry and financial sector is all about uh, interoperability. Tomorrow, a security that uh, would have be issued uh, with Societe, from a client with Societe General Forge will need to be uh, probably custodied uh, into another bank uh, custody service. So we need interoperability. And for that, uh, there is no better way than working together on, on real projects. Uh, then at some point when, when there will be uh, more maturity, obviously uh, competition will come again. My only guess there is that um, we'll probably see uh, less players on a global basis, I mean, at this, uh, at this scale, that what we have today. Already today, with, even without speaking about blockchain and DLT and, and so on, there, there is already a very strong need and sometimes incentive from some regulator for more banking consolidation. 
on a global basis. We already see that today. I think uh, blockchain and DLT creating a truly global financial market, either for security or cash, will even accelerate this need or this trend uh, for consolidation. Jean-Marc, thank you very much for this discussion. It's fascinating, and I hope we have a chance to follow up on this, uh, maybe on Medaco Talks. Um, thank you also all for attending. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this session and that you will join us uh, over the next uh, episodes in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Have a great end of the week. Thank, thank you, you everyone. Bye-bye.